Hey everybody, welcome to episode 102 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello guys, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, doing better. You know, we lost Lucky this weekend, so it was a tough, tough oh, weekend. Oh man. Yeah, it was a tough weekend, so we kind of just lazied around Taylor and I, and just, uh, you know, hanging around with the other animals, but I'm getting back in the shop today, and you know, I'm getting back, getting back. Lucky lived a good long life, so we're, we're happy that he kind of went by natural causes and, you know. Not, not any other weird way. So yeah, and he did live to at least fourteen. We don't know his original age, but he's as far as I can track back. That's about how old he is. So he could be older. Mm. So yeah, that was that's it. rough, man. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, thank you, and thank you to everybody that's been sending some really sweet notes uh, through email and you know through comments and stuff. So and uh, you know it kind of got out there, and a lot of people were curious. So I just kind of just let everybody know what was going on. Just. Because people, you know, a lot of people like animals, and they know I do too, so. Yeah. So, that's that. But besides that, I'm just getting back in the shop today. I got my Tormac going, and I was able to do a pocket. I'm making the Witchblade 3, the knife that I have, where the handle is a multi-tool. So, I'm making a, a new third version of that, and I'm still uh, developing a patent for that. My friend is patenting that for me. And so, I'm trying to make a, I'm trying to make a, a CNC file that's sort of open source. I might just give the file away, but then if I end up making them myself, I'll sell them. Um, for a good design for the handle that works with an existing Leatherman. So I'm just hmm. playing around with that. And on my Instagram, you saw me at least cut the pocket. And I, the reason I didn't do any more than that is because I'm just kind of dipping my toe in the water with the Tormac, and then I don't have a final design yet. So I'm going to dig that hole out like you saw on my Instagram, and then from there I'm going to just sculpt the rest of it by hand using the bridge port a little bit and the rest on the bandsaw. And then once I have a really good solid model, then I'll re-engineer it in Fusion and then have a file that I could then send to the Tormac to cut out of a final chunk. So that's that's my process. I know it's ass backwards, but it's it's working for me right now in my limited know-how of, of the software and the and the machine. I could always go back to just using hand tools. So I'm like in between <laughs> both worlds right now. Nice. Well, also with us today, David Pachuda. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Hey, Dave. How are you? Very good. So I'm just going to go into what I'm working on. Uh, Kelly and Do I it. just filmed our Christmas special. Uh, I think I promised everybody last week that I was going to do uh, the 3D printed cookie cutters and make some cookies. Oh, yeah. That video got delayed, and we ended up filming it over the weekend. Kelly and I did it together, and we kind of made it like a little make something holiday special, and it was fun. It was messy. That's awesome. It was awesome, yeah. And uh, I've, I'm halfway through the edit now, and I'm like, this is one of my favorite videos. Hmm. What about it made it your favorite? I, well, I think because Kelly and I were having such a good time. You know, we're it was yeah. a Saturday night. It was late at night, and we're, you know, um, my buddy Bruce sent us a bottle of whiskey. So <laughs> we broke open the whiskey <laughs> and, and made cookies, and we, we just made it fun. And, uh, yeah, so... I. As far as when I, when somebody asked me what I want for uh, a gift for Christmas or birthdays or whatever, I always, instead of asking for physical things, I always like moments or memories. To me, that's worth more. Mm -hmm. And then it's, I don't get a bunch of stuff that I don't want. And so this was like, it was it was so fun. Like, it was one of those moments like, oh, I'm going to remember this for a long time because it was, it was just, it was just mm -hmm. an awesome moment. And then uh, another video that I'll have coming out, or should be out by the time you hear this, is a dog ramp for our wiener dog to get up 
onto the bed because he can he cannot jump up there on his own. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, I am putting out this week. It will have been out, I guess, by the time the show comes out. Um, a trike part one of a trike build. It's just part one. It's two parts. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the green machine. If you had that when you were growing mm-hmm. up, I don't know. Totally, like I a, remember the commercials, and I actually know the guys that invented it. Really? I know them wow, for the toy have, business, yeah. Wow. I should have talked to you before I did the project. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's basically like a big wheel for anybody that doesn't know. It's like a, a big wheel, but instead of steering with the front like handlebars, you have these two levers, and you pull one forward and one backward, and they turn the back axle. So It's so dangerous. Steering, <laughs> steering with the rear of the vehicle, and it's really strange it takes a while to get used to that's the way especially a, a forklift it, works it's the same way a especially if it doesn't work very well it's tough <laughs> to, to get used to <laughs> so i mean mine did work but uh there's a lot of stuff that i'm going to go back and change about it you know and update and fix to make it easier to control so i'll probably end up doing it's gonna be a two-part video but i'll probably end up doing a follow-up at some point after the fact to fix some of the stuff that i came across so but it's been really interesting i mean it's Made out of a bed frame and a, uh, an exercise bike and a pair of crutches, which I ended up not really using the crutches. They weren't strong enough. But so I just tried to, you know, build something crazy out of some found materials and it was a lot of fun. Pretty cool. A lot of work though, man. It was. Did you use the project. welder? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so cool. I ended up making, I needed square tubing. So I, I took the bed frame, which was angle iron, and, uh, basically made my own square tubing out of the two pieces of angle, which is way more work than it should be. Totally not worth it. Don't ever do that. Anybody listening, not worth it. But you know what? A lot of people don't realize about bed frames is that they're hardened steel. They're not just regular general purpose steel. So when somebody wants to use something like the, you try and cut off, I use a cutoff wheel on the bed frame, Mm. the cutoff wheel disappears before you even get through one angle because the steel is hardened. It's not just straight up that you would buy from the hardware store. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely hard. I mean, I found that out just trying to cut through it. You know, I was able to cut through it, but it took a lot more than I expected. And then, you know, drilling through it for different things, I had to slow everything down and use oil and all that stuff. But so it was an interesting project. I learned a whole lot of stuff from it. That's for sure. That's what's important. That's right. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, And then uh, this weekend we were... Like, took some family time, went down to Florida, saw some family for kind of a pre-Christmas visit, and so I took a few days off, and here we are, back at it. Yeah. Are we <laughs> having a show next week? We didn't talk about this before. What is next week? Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Well, it's it's the day after Christmas. We can get on and talk about what we got for Christmas. That's true. We could have a short Christmas episode. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We may not have a show next week. We'll let's ask the viewers. If you want a, an episode next week, let us know in the comments down below. <laughs> we'll see what they say. Yes. Yes. There's going to be that one guy. You guys um, should take a break. Yeah. One guy. And then we'll do, like, yes. <laughs> we'll do it. Yes. <laughs> we'll do yeah, it. Yeah, we have to have is one person. That's right. <laughs> Minority rules. So uh, today, I thought we'd talk about 3D printing. Yeah. Right Something pretty new to you guys that I know you're kind of both, you know, dabbling in. And I know a lot of people are right now. So, uh, and a lot of people may end up getting printers for Christmas. So, it oh, might right. be an interesting thing to talk about. Um, and I've, I've got a fair amount of experience with it now, so I can talk on it forever. But I'm really curious about you two. 
I'm curious about, I, I know your experience with it so far, mm-hmm. but I, other people may not. So I'm curious to hear like what you thought about it, what you're using it for now and what you plan to use it for in the future. Well, I just got the Delta Go, Delta Printer Go. Is that what it's called? Um, mm-hmm. They they sent it to me in exchange for a video, and that's actually going to be my Christmas video that you all see, hopefully see. And um, so oh, there was a there was a learning curve. Um, I, I think it went pretty much as expected, except my first few prints as I'm trying to learn how to use this thing. Well, I had about a 50% success rate and I'll take most of the blame. A couple other things I just didn't, wasn't real clear to me on how the printer worked, but, um, got it all figured out. Um, and boy, it takes a long time to print something. So one, (laughs) one little cookie cutter is about an hour and a half, hour and 15 hour and a half to, to print. And I'd, the way the printer that I have is set up, it doesn't have a place to put the spool. So right now the spool kind of sits on the desk. And if you don't tend to it every 15, 20 minutes to make sure that the, the, um, the, what's that stuff called? Filament. Filament. Uh, to make sure it doesn't get tangled or is being fed through correctly. Cause if not, if it, if it gets caught, then I got to start all over. So uh, I will say not, not to talk bad about them, but that is a major design flaw. That should be a part of the printer. I, I thought so too. So to, I don't know anything about that. So most of them have some place to put, put the spool. Oh yeah. That's the only printer I've ever seen. Okay. That doesn't have a spool holder. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons it's cheaper than, than most I would assume because there's, there's things in there that are that don't that the major ones don't have or the bigger ones don't have, but um, after yeah. I got a few, I I, I learned how it works. Uh, I was able to make a bunch of cookie cutters. Um, but learning how to use the printer is only half the battle. The other half of the battle is learning how to design make a 3D, file. Make a file, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got lucky enough where I found a website called Cookie Caster. We talked about them last week, where you can just draw right on the screen and it spits out the file that you need. Now, when I get on to more complex things, I'm going to my next thing I'm going to make is a little um, iPod holder that clips onto the lens of my camera because my camera doesn't have a back that flips out so you can see what, what you're recording. So I'm going to make a little holder for an iPod on there so I can I can actually see my selfie. And um, hmm. so I will use Fusion, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that's what you're going to tell me to use. Every time we talk about Fusion, you'll hear radio silence from me because I know nothing about it. <laughs> and I have about 10 <laughs> minutes of experience with it. But uh, that'll be my the next thing I, I need to learn. Nice. Speaking of Fusion, Bob. <clears throat> yes. It happened to be the same few days that Fusion had like a cloud uh, breakdown a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, for those of you that don't know, Fusion had like a, a cloud crash, and so they were offline for a little while. But I noticed I was trying to make something in Fusion, and then I went to the 3D section in Cam, and it wasn't highlighted. Is that because I don't have like a full package, or is that because of that particular day? Would you know that answer? I have no idea. I've never actually used any of the Cam stuff in Fusion, so I'm not familiar. Okay, I just haven't had a chance to go back and look, you know, to see if this because the 3D selection in the cam aspect was not highlighted so i wasn't able to choose it but it was that same day that the cloud was down but um on uh my 3d experience 
Jacob has been hanging out with me in the shop. You guys met Jacob in, in Boston. And Jacob right away wanted to play with the Delta. So when we opened it up, he right away went to town and, and learned how to use it. But he kind of knew what he was doing. And then the next couple of days, I wanted to try and show it to my students. And so I went to do a test print by myself. And I kept starting and the print wasn't starting to come out. The filament was not extruding any material. And I tried three or four different ways. But Bob, you gave me some tips. You said that that, that gear is probably stripping the amount of plastic that's right there to be fed. So I'd have to kind of push past it physically and then maybe that would work. So I didn't get a chance to get back to it, but I too was having the problem of trying to make a file. So I just went to um, Thingiverse and I down, I was trying to make letters. And that's what I was trying to do with my students to make 3D letters. So I went to Thingiverse and I downloaded a couple different 3D letters that I found and I was able to at least send them to the printer and then the printer did its thing, but nothing came out. So it printed the letters in ghost form. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, the filament wasn't even coming out, and uh, I tried a couple different times, and it didn't occur to me. I just thought that I was doing something wrong. I didn't think that maybe the machine was having a malfunction. So, But next time I go to do that, I'm going to try and just reset the filament so that it doesn't have – it's probably stripping on that gear, like you said. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, on that particular type of extruder, it has a brass – a hardened brass gear – that moves the filament along. And if it gets stuck where the filament gets stuck at all, it'll start just grinding through the filament. Once it grinds through the filament that it's grinding off, fills up the space in between the gear teeth, which then just makes the problem worse. So it's like once it fails, it will continue to fail. So you can't push it through at that point. At that point, you have to take the gear off, clean it out, you know, with something, put it all back together. What's the other type of way that the filament is fed through? Uh, there's a few different ways, but it's just that one, that particular type of extruder, that brand or whatever they're using in that particular printer, I think is just not a great. It doesn't have idea. like it doesn't have a wheel from both sides the way, for instance, like a wire-fed welder would have a, a gear from both sides or, or a roller pushing. Well, it it, yeah, it kind of does, but I, I don't I don't know specifically about what that one like what's causing that one not to work well but i know some of the other ones that i've used just have a different type Hmm. that one's really high tension and maybe it's just tensions too high to where it's you know it's causing it to strip out or something but there's a few different types of extruders so that one the extruder is on the bottom of the machine and it pushes the filament up through a tube that goes to the hot end and that's called a, a bowden tube and that a lot of good printers have that on them so that's not a good or bad thing i'm just pointing out that that's one type Another type that's really common is to have the extruder on the hot end. So it's actually like pulling the filament into the hot end rather than pushing it up Hmm. like through a tube. The cool thing about that is that it has a little more strength. There's less like pushing a rope uphill kind of thing. You know, there's, there's less area for it to malfunction in between the extruder and the hot end. And so if you're going to use like any flexible materials like NinjaFlex or anything like that, that are harder to, well, easier to bend. Um, using the type of extruder that's right next to the hot end is easier there. Hmm. It's possible on both of them. But anyway, there's just a bunch of different types of extruders. There are different types of hot ends. There's different types of, you know, the way that the carriage moves. Like you guys are working on a Delta printer, and that's all, that's a brand name, but that's also a type of printer with the three arms that go up and down. That's just called a Delta-style gotcha. printer. Um, and then you have a Cartesian, which is more the XYZ or traditional, what you would expect, like out of a CNC or something. Right. One of the, so there's a bunch of different variations on printers for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the things I learned very quickly is that you can have the, 
the hot what is it a hot end hot head the hot end yeah hot end hot end i had it too hot and what was happening is um as it was uh, whatever for whatever reason that was the wrong temperature and when i was trying my test pieces of just like making a basic cube it came out uh like one corner would kind of lift up and then the whole thing would like lose its its shape and then playing around with different temperatures yeah. i found what works for the filament that i have you know it's a learning process it's kind of fun we made a nice little pile of spaghetti which was kind of fun I think <laughs> that was cute <laughs> well there's a few there's a bunch of different ways that 3d prints can fail um and i want to hear more about like how you guys plan to use this. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. But I think some people who don't have any experience with 3D printing, this stuff might be helpful as well, real quickly. Um, <clears throat> the two big things that I've seen in my somewhat limited 3D printing experience is uh, under extrusion, where it's not actually squirting out enough plastic, which is, Jimmy, what you ran into. It wasn't squirting out any. But if it's not squirting out enough, that can also be a problem. Like, it, it doesn't have enough to connect the layers, you know, so you end up with the spaghetti will happen that way. Um, the other thing, and I think the biggest problem that I've had, is adhesion to the print bed. So you have the the thing that it's printing on, whatever the surface is. Some of them are heated, which makes it the plastic adhere to it better. Some of them aren't. Um, and then there's different types of materials. Some of them are aluminum. Some of them are glass. Some of them are of this something called PEI, which is a, a sheet of kind of a plastic that's made for that. Um, there's a bunch of different types of things that can be on the print bed. And they all have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. They have different types of stuff you have to use to clean them or different types of filament they work best with or, you know, whatever. But adhesion is the kind of most important or first important thing in a print because if you don't get that first layer to stick down really well, then it comes loose and then you get the spaghetti, Mm. right? And then you get the print head dragging the print (laughs) with it all around the thing and then it's ruined. Um, and that's also why you will get some corners lifting, David, like you mentioned earlier. You'll get like a corner of it. It's because it's not adhering enough to the print bed. One way around that is to use what's called a raft, where if it's going to print a cube that's, say, 20 centimeters or 20 millimeters, um, it will start at like 40 millimeters and start printing a, a single layer, like a flat raft that goes around and connects to the thing that you're actually printing. And that just ho- helps hold all the surface down to the table. Oh, something so, that you would cu- there's a bunch you of would l- have to sand away or yeah, cut yeah, away. Yeah, you, yeah, you cut away after, but it just helps with the actual print. And then you know when it's all done, then you would yeah cut it away. I've already learned more in the last five minutes than I have in the, the couple of articles that <laughs> I've too. read. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird because information like that I've never found like a super good spot. With like, okay, you know nothing about 3D printing? Here's the basic stuff you need to know. Here are the words that you'll run into, and here's what they mean. You know, I'm sure it's out there. I just, I don't know where that thing is. Um, I do know that Matter Hackers is a company that I, I really like. They sponsored some some giveaway stuff for our uh, Making It 100 event. They do have an article that is a, basically like a, if your printer is messing up, here are the ways it's probably messing up and how to fix it. So... You know, you could look up in that article and say, well, it's doing this, and then it will have the fix right beneath it. Um, so that's that's pretty good. And there's probably some other resources out there like that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, getting used to, like, the wording and just the terms and stuff, mm-hmm. I think, is 
probably like a good way to start, even if you don't have a printer yet, <laughs> to start learning that stuff. So you know what you're talking about, you know, when you're reading. Yeah. I, but anyway, there's tons of technical stuff we could talk about, but I'm really curious how you guys are going to use 3D printing. Dave, well, you can go. Uh, well, like I said, I want... Um, well, I think of an answer. Jimmy doesn't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only plans I have is, is what I mentioned earlier, is a little place for my iPod to clip onto the lens. And so I already, I, in my mind, I already have this this planned out. And Bob, you can steer me in the right direction if this isn't the way to go. But I have I have this little um, sure mic that sits on top of the camera and points at my face, right? And then I'm going to build a little clip that kind of snaps around the lens so it's it's the it's the size of the lens but maybe just a little bit smaller so it wants to snap on there and then on top of that a second piece that i probably glue on would be the piece that holds the little ipod or the phone that i'm going to use and then it's going to between that little clip and the microphone it's going to wedge itself in into that microphone and it should be nice and sturdy and secure. So my thought mm. was to do two pieces, the clip that goes over the lens and then the clip that holds the iPod and then glue them together. Oh, to me, that just sounds like the more simple way instead of printing it all in one piece. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do something like that. It's just, it depends on like what your print capabilities are. You know, if you could print that all as one piece, if your bed's big enough, mm. that's one thing to consider. Um, and also if it's going to be a really complex piece that has a bunch of possibilities for failure, it's like an all or nothing if you do it as one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. My Whereas thought if is. if you do it as two, yeah. one might work, one might not. But. And one of the things that I haven't completely understood yet is there'll be some overhang type of stuff, especially when I, um, when I print the part that's going to hold the iPod because it's there's going to be that little slot or groove. And so depending on which way it sits on the bed as it's printing, there, there, there may or may not be an overhang. And I still have to understand like the best way to print things. And if there is overhang, how do you do to, what do you do to support that? I've seen a couple articles and, and whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if like when you design stuff in fusion, does it automatically add these things or do I need to use the software that I'm using to run the, the 3d printer to add these supports? I'm not sure. Well, that's a that's a good thing to think about. Um, you can definitely model in your own supports if you think it's worthwhile. And I think a kind of a pro modeler would do that because they would be able to understand like the best way to do them and the best places to do them. I've never modeled in my own supports. I just use the slicer software and say, give me supports. Ah. And then it knows from the math, it can understand, well, like the angle here is greater than it should be for us to get a good print out of it. So we're going to add a support there, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so the support actually has a lot to do with how steep of an angle needs to change from print from like a, a layer to a layer. And so if the angle's not super steep, well, I guess if it is steep, <laughs> if it's not flat, the overhang's not too flat, it can probably do it without supports. Um, and it just depends on the specific model. Mm -hmm. There's no right or wrong there. But also another thing to think about is when you're, because print time is such a big deal and such like a consuming thing, um, the way that you think about something you're modeling in your head, especially a utility piece like that, you may be thinking of it as like a big solid object or like a flat piece that's the same size as the iPod or something like that. 
but you probably don't actually need a big flat piece in that case. And so if you can instead make a frame or make a flat piece with cutouts, Mm -hmm. that's just going to cut down your print time because it's just less plastic. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, when you're modeling, you can think about ways to uh, cut down the actual amount of plastic that's going out. Um, And then when you lay it on the print bed in your slicing software, how you have it uh, oriented on the print bed will say how quickly it can print, how much support material it needs and all that stuff. So there's, there's kind of like a bunch of variables at every step of the way, which doesn't make it any easier, (laughs) but there's a bunch of ways to do it. And so that's where I'm at. I haven't thought beyond that. I I thought if I can get past the cookie cutters and past this phone holder for my camera, then I can know my limits or capabilities and go from there. It's, you know, I tell so many people, like, come up with the project and get the tool, but sometimes you have to have the tool and then you you kind of use that to figure out what your limitations are and, and, and work from there. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe this leads me to maybe I, maybe I fall in love with it and maybe I, I get one of the bigger ones. Or I know there's different types of 3D printers that use different types of filament for or ones that can print finer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the yeah. one I can, maybe the one I have can print fine. And I just, I just don't know. Maybe there's a setting I need to change. Yeah. Well, the, the fineness of the print, like the detail has a lot to do with the size of the nozzle. So the actual little thing that squirts out that size, um, 0.4 is kind of a standard at this point between a lot of printers. So most of them will have that. And there are some that have a smaller nozzle. Um, but that's just one thing to look at, you know, uh, when you, when you get a printer is how fine you actually need it. Now, if you're trying to squirt plastic through a 0.4 nozzle versus a 0.2 nozzle, one's going to take twice as long as the other, right? I mean, it's, it's the same amount of plastic. It's just going through a smaller hole. So, you know, you have to, that's a trade-off you have to think about. Um, you get that fine precision, but it's going to take longer. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. that's not worthwhile. Sometimes you just want to have like, like if you're going to sand it anyway, and you're going to be doing body filler and stuff, um, having super fine detail maybe doesn't even matter. That's something I want to talk about a little later on is the body filler and how to um, re- refine your, your printed piece post. But I'm also curious to see if Jimmy has any ideas on what he could potentially use that for or if he has any thoughts on, on how to work that into his workflow. No. <laughs> simple. Real simple. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I have a lot to say. I'm just kidding. Um, the funny thing is, is I, I help out at Danny's school with the young kids. They're like high schoolers and they have a few multi, uh, multi printers. Is it multi? Bob, you just use yours. What is it called? The multi what? Ultimaker? Ultimaker. Yeah. They have a couple yeah. of those. They say they like those the most. And um, the. They're ult- awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I heard. But the, the funny thing is, and I love, I love 3D printings, and I, and I love the way, you know, a lot of people know my opinion of the digital revolution is a positive one, and I think the 3D printers are awesome. I just spent so many years just whipping things I need up out of styrene. So I do a pencil sketch, and then I make it out of styrene, and it's rock solid. I could, or I could make a, a form and vacuum form it. So I've spent 30 years just making things that I need no matter what regardless of how I get there. So when the 3D printer comes along, I'm thinking, oh, I can make anything I want. I'm like, I could make anything I want anyway. I don't necessarily, it's like hard for me to shoehorn that process mm-hmm. into my, my day-to-day routine. And I want to. But what I find sometimes with the students, which is my original thought, 
I'll go to the students and they'll be printing a cylinder. And they're, they're like, uh, come back from another class and it's like an hour later and they're still printing the cylinder. Like, what is that for? Oh, it holds the electronics. And like, I'll grab like a milk bottle and I'll say, you see this shape right here in the neck of this milk bottle? It's exactly the same shape you just spent two hours printing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it. So I think there's a time and place and we got to guide young kids and say, if you're going to make a, a, a capsule that's going to hold electronics, unless it's really styled and part of the ultimate product, you really can forego using a 3D printer in many, many, many cases. But Bob, like the, the beautiful helmet you just made, that's gorgeous. I would have immediately approached it with styrene and vacuum forms and stuff, but you broke it up into this amazing process and you were able to get this cool helmet. And uh, I, I just was amazed that you, the way you were able to cut that up and it, it would be interesting to see a video on your fusion technique. Yeah, a lot of people now. have asked about that, actually, because yeah. I kind of glossed over that, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, there's a time and place, because if you put it in that video, probably would have lost viewers early on. But if you do put it out as a secondary viewer, video rather, and follow up and say, you know, how you made the, the volume and then sliced it, like, do you just project a line through it and just say cut along the projection? Or do you push yeah. a body through it and then just say have the body be the cut? You know, there's lots of choices that I'm learning now. I just don't know what are the best choices as we go forward. But as far as my, my 3D printing experience... I, there'll be a time and place where I need this. In the, in the meantime, me and Jacob are just going to keep experimenting with making the cubes. And the one thing I wanted to do was letters because I teach a course in three-dimensional letters, or at least I do one particular lecture on three-dimensional letters and how students should really understand 3D letters because they're graphic designers. And then all of a sudden they're in the world and somebody wants to sign and they never even experienced 3D letters or even paid attention to them. So I think 3D printing is one quick accessible way for students early in college and early in high school to, to get into 3D lettering. You know, it's not, mm. it's not CNCing, which, you know, obviously a lot of people want to CNC. I'm like, oh, that's great. Have you ever used a saw? Oh, no, why would I need a saw? Because you need to prepare your material to go into the machine. But if you have a 3D printer, it's a little bit easier. It's sort of right out of the box. You're just creating volumes as opposed to needing plywood cut to the right size, fastened to the table. So there's a lot of other disciplines that go along with CNC routering as opposed to the additive version of 3 and 3 printing. So 3D printing. So 3D printing is good for for young makers getting started, I think. It's just a matter of being sure they're they're taking their time and energy to something that really can't be just immediately found in their environment. You make a good point of the different disciplines because you said your student didn't realize they could make the cylinder a much faster and easier way and you don't know these things until you have experience in a bunch of different fields yeah. and then once you do that you're kind of like you you learn to problem solve you're like oh this tool is best for this this tool is best mm. for this and it's yeah just, you, so it's just a matter of they, they were introduced to the 3d yeah. printer and they're like oh let me just make them on 3d printer where like if they just looked around in their environment or in the recycling bin or just get a you know a couple of extrusions from the plastic shop they can have what they need right there and they could probably mock up what they need to make in literally minutes compared to sending something to print for an hour yeah. and a half. That's why nothing yeah. will beat experience when it, when it comes to these types of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those, ex- you know, the experience will lead you down to be able to use a tool in whatever way you need to, to get the job done. Yeah. Look at, I mean, Jimmy's a prime example of that. You could give him a bandsaw and he could do just about anything with it. <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, trying to blow smoke for you i'm I'm serious like you could you could make anything out of the bandsaw because you have enough experience with it that you understand 
its limitations. You understand mm-hmm. ways to use it that are maybe non-traditional, whatever. Um, versus if you put me in a shop with a whole bunch of tools, I may gravitate towards something else first because I have more experience with something else to get the yeah. same job done. So I think the 3D printer is kind of the same way. Yeah. It's ending up as that like that thing for young people now. Well, well if I've only got one tool, yeah. it's going to be a 3D printer because yeah. it can do anything that I need it to do. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just mean like I think that's the mentality that's being taken with 3D printers in general is that like they can do everything. Why would I need anything else? I yeah. don't think that's a great thing. I'm agreeing with you guys. Yeah. No, it's definitely a matter of, uh, you know, making something that can only exist because you need to make it in a 3D printer. Like right. I said, a, a lot of these young designers are just making electronic enclosures, which, you know, Radio Shack and DigiKey sells all these things. You could just buy them off the shelf or just get a plastic compact and put an electronic box together or whatever it is. But as far as um, my digital processing experience, I really like the idea. And Dave, you, you, you just did it full-heartedly where you make an object and you use that to make a cookie. So when you think of a 3D printer and the end goal is a cookie, it's like, how the hell did you get there? Like if you just saw a cookie in 3D printer, you probably wouldn't immediately think make a cookie cutter. Like, you know, if you weren't exposed to that first. Yeah. Bill but, from Punish Props just made rings. Yeah. Did you guys see that? He made rings. Yeah. But he, he printed he printed the ring uh, with the 3D printer and then used that for a, a pewter to make a pewter ring, which was awesome. I, like it's a, I yeah. never would have thought to do that. I'm like, oh yeah, you yeah. use that. I love that. I love that. Like dissecting these processes and then making them part of a bigger picture and not necessarily being the picture. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's one thing I really like in that I just haven't found that path to, from, from me personally for 3D printing, but, but Dave, last week when you made the, you just showed a picture of somewhere, I saw a picture of your cookie cutters you made and I was like, oh, okay, that's it. I got to really start thinking about how to use this 3D printer as a means to a different end, not necessarily mm-hmm. a means to a 3D yeah. print. And that's how, that's how I'll, I'll be able to utilize it. And it's there now. And, you know, next time I hang out with Jacob, I'm going to ask him to show me what I did wrong and how to access files and stuff. Cause we weren't using my Mac. We were using my old, my old, uh, notebook that runs my CNC machine. And that thing is just, you know, the thing smokes and whistles every time you hit a button. The, the like, one thing oh, that I, I haven't do is CNC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing that I haven't seen is that everybody predicted like five, eight years ago is like you can just print out parts that you need. Like, oh, my dishwasher stopped working. Whirlpool will have a file that I can download and print out. That's not happening yet. And my guess is because it's not as easy as that because there's a lot of complications where you don't know what uh there, there'd be customer support like oh i can't get this thing to print or you're using the wrong type of filament or whatever and do you think we're going to get to a world where we can just print our parts i think we will i don't I think, think so. it's going to be cost effective because the materials to print that stuff is cheap but to get a machine that is reliable enough on a long-term basis on a regular enough basis to make that realistic that's where the cost is because you know you buy a $500 3d printer you run into all these issues that we're talking about you can still get it to work but it's not reliable enough for you to say like yeah i'm going to download a file and print it out and put it in my refrigerator and make it work better or whatever mm-hmm. um you know at this point you can pay four or five thousand dollars and probably get a machine that is reliable enough to do that but the cost is so high there that that's not realistic for most people. And that's way like, you know, uneven for what you're actually saving by buying this instead of buying this like $2 piece of plastic from 
whirlpool or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got a long way to go before the no. the quality comes down in price enough to make that realistic. Yeah. I think well, you'll see, start seeing more service oriented spots. Like you have, like oh, I have this 3D file for my oh, client. Can yeah. you print it for me? Yeah, you know, like yeah. Kinkos, just like Kinkos. You know, I know that already exists, but it, it exists in the way like you got it, like Shapeways and this. But I, I would love to see a store where you could just walk into and say, hey, I got this part. Can you bring it up? Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the best way to do that? And then you have some technician who knows 70 different ways to do it the right way. Go, okay, don't worry. We'll handle it. It's going to be $100. It'll be done tomorrow morning. That would be great. So this way, people that are designing who understand the process but don't necessarily have the time to learn it or want to do it mm-hmm. can can get things made well, and done. And the UPS store, I don't know if they're still doing it, but at one point they were doing that where they were starting to put – these high-end Stratasys, which is like a really high-end brand printer in some of their stores. And you could mail or you could, you know, email in a file and have it printed and pick it up the next day, or they could ship it directly to you. And I think the only reason that that worked, if it worked for them, I don't know if it did or not, but if that worked, it's because those machines were so high quality and so reliable that it wasn't like, oh yeah, we'll send it to you in a few days when we can get the printer working well enough to get your part printed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, it will print and we will ship it to you. you know? So I think that does exist, but there again, you know, these $20,000 3D printers in a UPS store, that's not accessible for even yeah. businesses. Well, that's what good. So like I could print it on my little Delta, but if I know I could bring it to that, these guys and they have color and all, so I could do a toy prototype yeah, or a product yeah. prototype and have it printed like, my uh, this thing I'm working on right now for this, you know, making this cutting this whole thing out of a chunk of aluminum. As far as my my Witchblade three that I've been working on, if I could design had if I could make a prototype of that infusion and then just have someone quickly three D print it for me, I could really understand it. Instead, right now I'm just kind of playing in the dark, but that's fine. It's part of my process. But if I could get a full design on the computer and then have it three D printed, where I could really play with it and hold it and touch it and go, okay, you I need can. To. No, no, but I mean, if it was easily, if it was more easily accessible for me, it, and it will be. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. I totally, yeah. you know, it's just a, this long learning curve. And like I've said it before, and when we've talked about these types of learning curves, it's like just a little bit at a time. Like if I know that, like every couple of days or upstate, I said to Taylor, I go, okay, my goal today is to cut my name on the side of this piece of aluminum. And I did that last week, and I'm showing you guys. It happens to be this piece that I, I used as a bigger mm. chunk. So I did that, and I felt totally accomplished. So I went back, and I played with Fusion for a couple, like maybe a week. And I said, okay, I'm going to pocket. And I made this pocket the size of the Leatherman profile. That's on my Instagram. I said, I'm going to make this pocket. I crashed the machine twice. I tried to figure out what I was doing wrong. I know what I was doing wrong, but I still don't know how to fix what I was doing wrong. So I just did a workaround. And then when I cut the whole thing out, the Leatherman didn't fit into it. It was 400 of 400 thousandths too skinny according to my calipers so I got a 400 thousandths shim which is basically a piece of brass about a sixteenth of an inch and I opened it up and I stuck it between the product and the and the fixed jaw and it moved the whole product over that much and I ran the program one more time and it, the whole thing even though it took 10 minutes for it to do all of its jazz it just every time it rubbed that wall it made that wall 400 thousandths skinnier in every layer it went so I was able, hmm. like, I'm able to kind of like work through the dark and figure out workarounds, but there's better ways, and I'm learning slowly. Yeah. Same with the 3D printing. I mean, it all applies to all this new technology. And then once the spring comes and I start plasma cutting, that's going to be a whole new <clears throat> ball of problems hmm. to deal with. Well, is the, but that's more of like a kind of 2D plotter, right? Which one? I mean, it, the the plasma. 
I mean, it's still CNC controlled, but it's still basically like a 2D plane where yes. it's cutting things out. Yeah, absolutely. But the only thing that makes <clears> me nervous is that <laughs> I, I got to thinking like there's 700 ports and like there's, there's literally there's like 15 ports and like eight wires. Oh. So the amount of <laughs> wrong choices is like <laughs> thousands. <laughs> they sent me... They sent me something like, oh, this one goes there, 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 and there, but four of the wires aren't marked at all. So I have to literally trace them back through the wire carriage and see what motor they're on. So mm. it was funny. When I first got the machine, they all had like these little loose tags on them that said X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I better secure those. Then I got sidetracked. And by the time the machine went into the okay. container, I'm like, oh, four of those tags have like floated off and are gone. So, <laughs> whoops. But. You know, the thing was manufactured and it works for somebody. It'll work for me. It's just a matter of me just dealing with it and confronting yeah. and problem solving yeah. without burning out a motor. Which is my big fear. <laughs> yeah. You know, even that's fixable. Yeah. Just expensive. I think just to relate <clears throat> to our friends over at Reclaimed Audio, I think there's the there's the potential of 3D printing to help lessen your carbon footprint on this earth. By when you do need that part for your dishwasher or refrigerator of actually making it your own instead of that thing being put on a truck and then delivered to your house. So I think, you know, this, the future hopefully is going to be a lot cleaner and a lot, uh, a a lot more efficient as far as getting these parts and stuff. It's funny. Obviously, the 3D printing is in its infancy. And then, like Bob, you made a perfect example in your movie of making, if it's a prop for either a movie or if it's a prop for Halloween or if it's just a personal collection like you're making it for, you made a beautiful object and you broke it down and you made it. But most of the time when you see 3D printed objects, at least like at Make a Fair and stuff, do you guys remember when we were kids, you'd go to Miami and this thing would spit out like a, a wax dolphin with like clothes and, and make a wax and like it's completely useless you get it and you're like okay that's mm. cool it was fun to watch it happen but now you know the experience is over i have this thing it's like what is the point of it like i would ask my grandmother all the time stick money in the machine so i could see the machine close and it would injection mold a wax figure and then it spit it out i just want to see the action happen so like i make a face you see all these tchotchkes that are like pointless and then yeah. like i remember when the dremel thing came out I, I i'm not associated with dremel at all but i went to austin make a fair or whatever and they had this and the table is just full of tchotchkes. Nothing is actually usable for anything. It's just like a tchotchke of a frog, a tchotchke of a <laughs> bug, a tchotchke of a dice. And it's like, okay, like the experience is cool. So it's almost like having like like a race car and no racetrack to go on. You know, you just keep revving the motor. Good. Mm. It's, it's, it's who you uh, – For band- most people. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean you know, it's like who, I said, who has it. It's like you put a bandsaw in the tool of a creative person as uh, compared to a non-creative person – yeah, the non-creative person is going to create a bunch of cubes where the creative guy is going to make a Sam Maloof chair or whatever. You know, it's it's the tool is still not doing the thinking and the creative part for you. You still have to do that. You know what has to happen? All the 3D printing companies need to hire people that make complicated parts. Because it's I see the same gear. I see the same thing. I see the same. Every time you walk up to a 3D printer company, you have the same few things in front of them. I don't, this is just me. Maybe I'm being overly critical. Yeah. But instead of making tchotchkes, I want to see, like Bob, you made the ring, printed ring for the GoPro. You made the helmet. You know, I want to see real objects Yeah. that aren't just landfill. Like I want to see objects in real use mm-hmm. more yeah. often. Yeah, and I, 
And I think the prop community is really big for that. Now, granted, yeah. that's not like, you know, a prop is not something that's... No, it is. Serve a, it serve is a because it's... on a daily yeah, basis? Absolutely. But no, it, I totally don't it, think there's anything less than, than that. You know, I don't, I don't look at that any less than anything that's useful, honestly. Well, no, but I mean, I think that's a, a really good example of taking 3D printing as a medium rather than a, as a product, right? So it's just like saying, I'm going to make a fiberglass helmet or I'm going to make a foam helmet. I'm going to make a 3D printed helmet. It's still going to end up looking like a helmet or it's going right. to end up looking like a rifle or whatever. Um, and somebody was actually asking me the other day about like, because <clears throat> I've done a few helmets now and asking me about kind of what was next and a, a certain project that I won't talk about now. And I hadn't really told anybody about this, but my whole idea with the helmets is for me to learn a set of, of skills. It's not really about having helmets for characters. It's about me having a, a pattern to learn skills over. So the first one was about learning how to use work with foam. And a helmet was a good way to do that because it was something that like I could identify with or whatever. 3D printing and the finishing process is the next one in that process. Further down the road, there's going to be making a helmet that I can then learn how to do large molding and casting. And then past <coughs> that, there's going to be fiberglass and then past, you know, so it's this, this is like an intentional set of this learning is, exercises. This is you know, all, and these Bob's, are all just different medium. Bob's building up to move off the planet. That's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Elon Musk, we're, we're going to, we're finding a new planet somewhere. SpaceX. Yeah. But yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I think that's the right attitude to have. Um, I think it's, it's catchy and it's interesting to kids and stuff to just be able to print things out, but that's not going to give you a reason to make, to, to use a tool long-term. That's like saying, you know, I'm going to buy a scroll saw because I want to be able to make this one type of scroll thing. When you're done with that, then what? You know, yeah. so you have to keep coming up with new ways to use it or ways to integrate it into a larger project or whatever. <clears throat> Me just personally, like I have to tool. go through, I have to make all those tchotchkes that I was just criticizing. I have to make them to understand how to do this and then yeah. how to incorporate it. So, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of dumped on the tchotchke uh, world, but I have to do it to go through it. I really have to learn. So. I'll be well, and I think frogs and spiders and little panda bears. Yeah, I think the reason that people do that, like the reason, same reason you would do it, is the same reason companies do it because it's a low impact way to test out the tool. Right? Yeah, that's like you know you wouldn't for the first time you were explaining um, the bandsaw to somebody, you wouldn't go and make a fifty letter sentence out of MDF. You would take a three letter word and you would cut that out just to show them how it worked or something. Yeah. I mean, you might, but other, anybody <laughs> other human other than the world. Yeah, I made you, a face. This. <laughs> you get when, that, um, you get you that know. instant gratification before yeah, you, sure. you fail. You know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a low impact or uh, not low impact, low risk. Yeah. Low investment in time of, and energy. Low investment. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. Of, of, you know, what the tool can do. So I think that's why people do it. And yeah. you're right. It's a necessary part of the process for sure. Yeah. Well, I I think um, you know the 3D printing stuff. I think has a big place that a lot of people haven't identified yet within their workflow. And obviously, it's not for everybody. Just like every tool is not for everybody. But um, it'll be interesting to me to see how you guys end up kind of bringing it into your. You know, it was fun. Uh, did ideas. you guys? You guys know Jesse, who makes the uh, the cry wheels. Is it called mm -hmm. cry wheel? I never understood. Sear wheels. Wheel. Got yeah. the, the, the performance wheels, it's maybe like an eight or nine foot circle. Is it maybe like more like a seven foot circle? That yeah, person six or seven, I don't know. That could like suspend in the center and fly. It was in one of my my, uh, my vlogs. I, just co I covered his stuff. But remember last year we saw him and then this year, his like production has been 
amazing, his growth yeah. as far as – and a lot of that has to do with the – part of his is the 3D printer. He 3D prints these little junctions that connect the electronics in each section. I think he makes six sections and they have to dis- dismantle and then re- reassemble. And he 3D prints these parts, which is amazing because if he had to injection mold them, he never would be able to afford that. Nobody would. It costs you – $50,000 to make a six cavity tool. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, the process of going through that. And then no factory is going to make a tool regardless of how much it costs, unless they're going to make 60,000 of them or a hundred thousand of them. And he probably only needed, you know, maybe a hundred at this point. And so he designed and developed them and printed them himself, which I was so impressed with uh, to see that like development in just a short one year that he's been able to really up his game. Yeah, for sure. So this it's a matter a- of needing that need. Like we always say, you need that project that's going to get you through the, the storm. So Jesse Houston, searcraft.com, S, I'm uh, sorry, C-Y-R-Craft.com. It's pretty cool, uh, the project that Jimmy's talking about for sure. And also all around but, good dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet guy. Cool guy. He stayed in my room in Boston. He just, he was so excited to come. He just drove there. He didn't know where to stay. I said, you staying in my room. Is it really? I'm like, I got a two bedroom thing. I'm not going to make you sleep out here in your car. <laughs> that was his option. Is I going to sleep in my car? I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> well, I, not that I'm all knowing. I'm I'm just dipping my toes in it, really. But do you guys have any questions about 3D printing or finishing or any of that stuff that I can answer that might be helpful to other people? Uh, an important question is: I noticed you use Bondo in your video. Yeah. Bondo does not stick to all those different filaments, does it? There's only certain filaments that it'll work with, right? Because you can't feather Bondo on styrene. I know that, for instance. And is that an ABS extrusion? Like, what is the extrusion that Bondo will etch into? That's the question. I've not heard of one that it doesn't. Really? That's very possible. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I You're able to get you know, a nice feather from the Bondo? Like to zero? Feather? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't yeah. realize that. I thought – I thought because I know when I make – when you make styrene models, for instance, and you just use styrene sheet, the the way to, to fill cracks and to do body work, in air quotes, is to use plastic wood. Because plastic wood has acetone mm. in it and it etches into the surface. So when you let it dry long enough and you could sand it, you could feather it down and it will literally feather into zero. Because a lot of times if you use Bondo or three uh, plastic wood, when you go to feather it, it breaks off at the little small parts. and You can't get it to feather. It doesn't stick. It doesn't etch into the surface. Hmm. And so that was my question with Bondo. I've not seen that, but I mean, I've only used it on that one project on PLA mm. plastic. So. PLA. Mm. Um, I've had, I have not had success with ABS plastics and I kind of gave up on it early. Um, I just had trouble and then I, PLA worked well. So that's kind of what I've used, but there's tons of different types of materials that you can print with. So yeah, not sure about that. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't uh, plastic wood and Bondo the same formula? No. Well, Bondo is, is catalyzed. It's a polyester resin. It's catalyzed. You add the hardener to it. Plastic wood is all acetone that will etch. I don't even know what the, I don't know what the, uh, ve- the vehicle is acetone, which is the, the fluid it hangs out in, but I don't know what the actual material is, but once it dries, it etches into the surface of, of like a styrene or an ABS. Gotcha. I've learned so much Bondo today. won't. Bondo will not. That's the difference. Bondo will not. Bondo hmm. kind of more adheres and now somebody could probably uh, correct me and troll me, but it's been my experience that Bondo doesn't etch into material. It like sticks, whereas yeah. like acetone will etch into stuff. And because Bondo sticks and doesn't etch, it doesn't always stick. It won't stick to a lot of plastics but in my experience. So that's why I want to show you getting some nice feathering and some beautiful joinery that 
faded right into the paint job. I was impressed. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I, I didn't get to say it in that video, but I used, you know, regular, regular Bondo. Um, but most people recommend on 3D prints using the putty, spot putty and glazing stuff mm-hmm. by Bondo, but it's just in a tube. It's a single mixture. I don't know chemically what's different about that, but I know it's it's a single thing that you don't have to mix. Um, and it's just easier to get in small, small doses. Yeah, those I two are to- more like plastic wood and the spot okay. putty. Yeah. yeah, so Dave, that might be what you're talking about. Those two are more like... Okay. Yeah. I had to order that and it didn't show up in time and I was just like, needed to move on the project so i just use regular bondo you can get that at most auto zones they sell it in like you know when you're trying to do the hack weekend body filler stuff yeah, yeah. in a little aisle they sell it you guys remember when you were kids the disgusting bubble gum that came in the tube that you would squeeze out that's all i can think oh, of yeah, yeah. that's I'm all i can sure. think about I think when you're talking about my time. <laughs> it was like a toothpaste tube but it was bubble gum yeah. right? oh sorry I, I never saw that one <laughs> We had Big League Chew and then the tape one too. That was another one. Oh, yeah. They still have Big League Chew. And I went, when I was in the Bahamas, I went to this uh, fancy house and it was right next door to the guy that started Bubble Tape. No and way. He was what? crazy rich because of Bubble Tape. That's funny. Was his house shaped like a big bubble tape container? <laughs> big green <laughs> bubble tape container? No, but it was on one of the ends of the islands of the Bahamas looking out over the ocean. So, wow. You know. Cool. Well, um, if anybody has any 3D printing questions or whatever, you know, tweet them at us. Uh, we'll help if we can. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so what have you guys been watching? You guys watch anything cool? Yes. I've talked about the Vlogbrothers before. It's it, <clears throat> Subscribe to the Vlogbrothers because uh, yeah, it's two, it. two guys and they basically like create a vlog and they kind of bounce back and forth between each other. Um, but once in a while, they have guests come on, and I am introduced to so many awesome people through these guests. And a few days ago, they had this lady named Tessa Violet, and she's a vlogger and a musician. And it's an awesome, super awesome channel. And she's got a great personality. What I would also, the, the video that I would start with is she had a video called Music Copyright Explained and like broke it down like nobody has broken down copyright before. I was like, it's so well done. And so that is my pick hmm. of the week, Tessa Violet. I've, I've seen her in a lot of things over the years. She's been around YouTube for a really long time. <coughs> cool. Done lots of good stuff. In fact, we saw her play oh. at VidCon. Ah. Yeah, yeah, she played a song on the stage at VidCon. I was so overwhelmed, wow. but I, did, I got my VidCon ticket. I uh, I'm ready to go for for next nice. year. It was one of those. Yes. If you are a creator, you should really consider going to VidCon. Um, they have it in a couple different continents now, but it really like set me on the right path and just it changed everything about my business. And I've I'm so thankful that I went last year that I'm so excited to go next year. Same here. All right. I'm going to promote Izzy's second channel. What's Izzy up to? Everybody knows Izzy. Izzy Swan is the inventor extraordinaire who makes everything you can think of. And Izzy has a second channel called What's Izzy Up To? And he has the Mega Maker Show. I don't know if everybody's watched that. I watched it the other night. I've been on it and I've watched it a couple times. And most recently I watched it the other night. He had on Greg's Garage and uh, Ben Ueda uh, talking about architecture and communicating to your clients. And the Mega Maker Show, 
by Izzy Swan. And I was surprised it only had, like right now, this one show's only got 680 views. And it's a great resource. And Izzy's really opening the door. He's trying to get like top of the line professionals on every episode and discussing real important things. And I watched Ben and, and Greg talk the other night. And I learned quite a bit just from listening to those two. I mean, Ben, you can't stop learning from every time you hang out with him. But uh, check out Izzy's show. There's many. I mean, I was on one of them, but everybody knows enough about me. But he has uh, a lot of other shows with a lot of other professional makers and some that aren't even on YouTube. But take a look. What's Izzy up awesome. to? Izzy's second channel. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so for me, um, I don't know if you two saw this. I'm sure you did. Uh, the Red Smith. I don't know if we've talked about yes, that Yes, yes. Amazing. <laughs> yes, amazing. So I've been following, I've been subscribed to Redsmith for a while because he makes excellent videos. They're just really well made, uh, makes cool stuff. But then this last week he made a video about this podcast. Yeah. I mean, kind of. He made the three of us each marking knives and you just got to watch the video. He goes through, it's like he's listening to every episode of the <laughs> podcast all the way through. It's really cool. And you and know, it was, it was fun watching all the titles. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. amazing. It kind of brought a tear to my eye. And watching all the titles of all the episodes we did, I'm like, oh, wow, I want to listen to that. Oh, we talked about that? Oh, that, was, <laughs> oh, that looks like an interesting one. He had the 100 of the episodes, just the, the titles, scrolling through the bottom of the video. Yeah. Which is great. A long time. Made awesome us look support. way more interesting than we are. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Well, you guys got anything else for this week? I'm good. Okay, <laughs> I'm three. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to eat in between every take, so I'm. I'm I apologize. <laughs> I'm trying to gotcha. eat lunch. I haven't eaten all day. Looks like cheese and crackers. Cool. Well, yeah, I just got a a, a holiday package from Tormac. <laughs> it's like, oh, nice! All kinds of snivelly food. It's my lunch for the day. You could C and C crackers with like no risk. If you mess them up, no big deal. You see? know, or, you know what's great? C and cheese. C and cheese, dude. <laughs> right there. C and cheese. <laughs> Please I, make a video about seeing Go I will, but I crashed my, my Tormac twice. Crashed, but I, the minute I hit, I hit cycle start and I have my hand on that emergency shutoff button because I don't know <laughs> where the cutting edge is going to go. Uh-oh. And it goes, and then it just buries itself into the aluminum and I hit stop right away. That happened to me twice and you know, it took a few times to get the machine to recover from go back to XYZ. But I was talking to Kevin, Kevin Lazat today. We were just exchanging ideas about this machine and he said, Stick a piece of styrofoam in there so you could see what you're going to get. And I said, I wish I would have thought of doing that. So thank you, Kevin. I've ran the file a little bit, you know, ghost with no machine, no material in it. But it says if you do that and then, you, you you know, you get your zero where you think it's supposed to be. And then if it's not there, then nothing's going to get hurt, severely hurt. So that's what you just basically gave me the yeah. same idea. Next time I'm going to get cheese. Yeah. I mean, you have to throw the styrofoam away. The cheese. I could eat, eat it. I could have the, the chip shoot in my mouth while I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> cool that, well um i don't know if we'll have a show next week i was just gonna that's say that's only gonna contribute to your mouse and rat problem dude <laughs> <laughs> it's right where that's the a, it's right where the rats point. are when i leave the rats probably open up the tarmac and they probably use it all successfully and then they clean up before i get back <laughs> that'd be awesome if you go out there and there's like little rats driving around in little awesome cars made out of construction aluminum. helmets yeah <laughs> And then they make exactly what I've been trying to make perfectly. I'm like, oh, who brought this? Did Santa Claus bring it? <laughs> cool. Well, um, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Merry That'll Christmas. That'll happen in between this show and next show. So I guess that's it for this week. 
unless you guys got anything else. That's it. Thank you, guys. Cool. All right. See you guys next week. Later. That's it. Say I love you, Lucky.